Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Chris, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Chorus Entertainment Q1 2021 Analyst and Investor Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Doug Murphy, President and CEO of Chorus Entertainment. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Operator and Chris. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Chorus Entertainment's fiscal 2021 first quarter earnings call. I'm Doug Murphy, and joining me this morning is John Gosling, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Before I read the cautionary statement, I'd like to remind everyone that we have slides to accompany today's call. You can find them on our website at www.coruscant.com under the Investor Relations section. Now let's move to the standard cautionary statement found on slide two. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements that may involve risks and uncertainties. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to to materially differ from those in our forward-looking statements are contained in the company's filing with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Before we begin discussing our Q1 results, I will take a brief moment to comment on the current operating environment. As we collectively experience new widespread COVID lockdowns, our team at Chorus has once again stepped up to serve the needs of our audiences and local communities and to help our advertising clients navigate the challenging environment. With the expanded restrictions in place and as we await the broad rollout of newly approved vaccines, our priorities are clear. Audiences continue to rely on us for the delivery of timely and relevant news, information, and entertainment across a broad array of platforms. We are deeply committed to meeting these needs. On behalf of our team, we would like to take this opportunity to recognize the tireless efforts of our frontline and essential workers across the country as we endure this health crisis and look forward to brighter days ahead. I will now turn to our first quarter results and offer some perspective on the positive momentum we are seeing in fiscal 2021 on slide three. When we last spoke, I referenced our book of COVID and the chapters we have been writing as we adeptly navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. We left off in Chapter 4, up and to the right, describing the sequential improvement in our overall business. This chapter speaks not only to our advertising recovery, but also to the outlook for our overall consolidated revenue, both as we move towards an exit from the current health situation and in the years that follow. I am pleased to share that our Q1 results demonstrated this on all fronts. Our team is making meaningful progress on the disciplined execution of our strategic plan, which is designed to get us to consolidated revenue growth year over year over year. We kicked off our new fiscal year with a stronger than anticipated quarter. 
In the first quarter, we delivered consolidated revenues of $420 million, consolidated segment profit of $179 million, free cash flow of $62 million, and improved financial flexibility with bank debt repayments of $34 million in the quarter, which reduced our leverage to 3.14 times net debt to segment profit. John will take you through our detailed segment results later in this morning's call. At Chorus, our intention is to emerge from the current situation stronger than when we went in. We recognize that the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine is the next important step to protecting Canadians, and that is the only thing that will get our economy back on track. We are well positioned to meet the needs of all our partners and stakeholders as we start down this road to recovery. Let me take a moment to highlight the significant progress we have made against our strategic plan beginning on slide four. Create a great place to work. We are proud of our well-established process at Chorus to measure engagement every quarter. The key targeted drivers revealed from this information are invaluable for us as they clearly indicate what's most important to our people. For Q1, this focus was to ensure a clear understanding of our strategic plan company-wide and with it, a strong sense as to how each member of the Chorus team impacts our business and the pursuit of growth year over year. I'd also like to celebrate Chorus Cares, our community giving initiative that raised nearly $4 million in our first quarter, supporting 136 organizations across the country that range from our legacy commitments in Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton, to our many other local efforts assisting food banks, hospitals, women's shelters, and children's programs across Canada. As we endure this health crisis, we recognize that we have an important role to play in the well-being of local communities and businesses. We are proud of our dedicated people and the efforts that are making a difference where they live. Build a content powerhouse. In content, our studio ambitions are coming to fruition, driving revenue growth in our global licensing business. We are experiencing a flywheel-like effect as more and more broadcasters and distributors discover our great content and its ability to drive ratings as we can currently expand our production slate. Chorus Studios continues to break new ground. Given the increased demand for content on broadcast and streaming platforms, we doubled down on our efforts to secure new licensing deals and the results have been impressive. Over the summer, we saw more than 300 hours of content sales Plus, we confirmed another 250 hours this past fall, opening the doors to new business, soon-to-be-announced deals in the U.S. with linear television and wholesale distributors. Core Studios is well-positioned to continue its growth trajectory in fiscal 2021, with 19 new and returning series in the pipeline, representing more than 200 episodes. Nelvana's output will be similarly robust, with 14 series slated for the year, representing almost 180 episodes. We are thrilled to premiere Nelvana's new live-action Canadian original series, The Hardy Boys, on YTV in Canada in the coming months following an extremely successful U.S. launch of the series on the premium streaming platform Hulu this past December. This foray into live-action is exceeding our expectations for engagement on Hulu, and we look forward to building on this great start with our new streaming partner. In the international market, Nelvana's co-production partnership with Discovery Kids Latin America, Red Knot, last week announced the green light of the second season of Agent Binky, Pest of the Universe. This series, one of Red Knot's first projects and based on a popular Kids Can Press title, 
He was nominated for Kids Screen Awards Best New Preschool Series in 2020 and, and has already seen rating success in Canada, Latin America, France, and other key territories. Connect with audiences. Turning to audiences, Stack TV continues with its impressive upward trajectory as we head into the winter months. In Q1, we enhanced our efforts in subscriber acquisition in concert with the rollout of new and returning hit content across our portfolio of channels. We are very encouraged by the results to date. Our attractive winter and spring programming lineup combined with ongoing marketing investments positions us to maintain this trajectory up and to the right. With more than 400,000 paying subscribers now from Stack TV and Nick Plus on Amazon Prime video channels, Chorus is certainly in the slipstream of this exciting new streaming growth opportunity. Help brands grow. The new Chorus is well positioned to meet the needs of advertisers seeking targeted, customized solutions to effectively and efficiently reach their audiences across a multitude of platforms. We are seeing great momentum with increased traction and audience segment selling as several new large advertisers embrace our Cinch platform and we ramp up for a full rollout later this year. Today, we are introducing two new performance metrics, optimized revenues, which encompasses our advanced advertising initiatives, and new platform revenues, comprised of streaming and digital initiatives. These will help you measure the progress we are making, leading the charge as we change the way we sell television. John will take you through these metrics in more detail shortly. Operate with discipline. We remain intensely focused on our priority to operate with discipline, as reflected in our strong free cash flow results. In Q1, this enabled us to pay down bank debt and further deleverage our balance sheet. Our strict focus on free cash flow and expense control will be reflected throughout fiscal 2021 and beyond. Over to slide five. As we discussed on our Q4 call, the timing of the premieres of our shows have been delayed throughout the fall and into the winter on Global, resulting in some unusual seasonality and a very different fall premiere season this year. Many of our shows that would typically debut in late September into October experienced delays in delivery resulting from a production hiatus across North America due to the pandemic. That said, the schedule we put in place has performed well, with Global delivering eight of the top 20 shows for adults 25 to 54 this fall, including NCIS and FBI. On specialty, we delivered 13 of the top 20 entertainment shows for adults 25-54, including History's The Curse of Oak Island, W's Why Women Kill, and Showcase's Brave New World, one of NBC Universal's Peacock Originals. A function of this atypical experience is that we have much of our fall schedule effectively debuting in Q2 and Q3. This positions us well to deliver increased audiences with Canadians staying at home during the winter months as we introduce a much stronger programming lineup than we have had historically ever at this time. We are excited about the return of hit series Prodigal Son and 911 and the launch of the new highly anticipated series Clarice and The Equalizer on Global. We saw great results with the relaunch of Saved by the Bell one of NBC Universal's Peacock Originals on W Network and witnessed the full season drop of this series on Stack TV, driving subscriber growth in November. With that, I will now turn it over to John. Great. Thanks, Doug. And good morning, everyone. I'll start on slide six. 
As Doug mentioned earlier, we delivered a solid start to the year. Courses consolidated revenue of $420 million for the quarter was down 10% over the prior year, but ahead of our expectations and with sequential improvement in the current environment as we continue our up and to the right recovery. Consolidated segment profit was strong at $175 million for the quarter, and that was down to 3% versus prior year. We delivered consolidated segment profit margins of 42% for the quarter, and that's up nicely from 39% last year. Consolidated net income attributable to shareholders for the quarter was $77 million, or 37 cents per share, and that's relatively consistent with the prior year. Free cash flow of $62 million was ahead of the $53 million in the prior year quarter. The current year quarter did benefit from wage subsidy receipts of $25 million, and that was re- uh, sorry, reduced interest payments on bank debt and lower programming and film investments, and these were partially offset by the payment of delayed fiscal 2020 corporate income tax installments which was permitted under the federal government pandemic relief measures, and that was $17 million. Now let's turn to our TV results for the first quarter, as detailed on slide 7. Overall, TV segment revenues were down 9% over prior year, reflecting the second consecutive quarter of sequential improvement in TV advertising revenues. This was an impressive result given the pandemic-delayed delivery of new shows for Global and resulted in a later start for the fall season, as Doug mentioned. Our networks and sales teams were able to successfully balance rating supply with advertising demand to maximize the value of our inventory despite the shortfall in program deliveries in the quarter. Looking forward, we are well positioned for a strong second half of our fiscal year when we will lap the onset of the pandemic and the significant impact it had on our TV advertising revenues. Subscriber revenues were flat to last year, driven by impressive Stack TV and Nick Plus subscriber growth, as Doug has mentioned. And that was offset by declines in legacy linear subscriptions and the impact of distribution renewals and channel shutdowns in the current and prior year. We are also benefiting from strong Nelvana and Chorus Studios content licensing sales with growth of 11% in our merchandising distribution and other revenues in the quarter. TV expenses in the first quarter decreased by 15% over the prior year. Direct cost of sales was down 17% and that reflects lower programming costs resulting from the delays in production and delivery of the fall schedule. Our G&A expenses were favorably impacted, down 14% from the prior year, and that reflects aggressive management of discretionary expenses and the benefits of the work-from-home environment, as well as the continuing but significantly reduced eligibility for the federal wage subsidy. Looking forward into Q2, more programming than usual is expected to premiere early in the calendar year as a result of production delivery delays. As a result, timing of program deliveries will continue to be one of the key variables impacting costs in future quarters. As a partial offset to any increases in programming costs, we will continue to tightly manage discretionary spending. Overall, TV segment profit increased 1% in the first quarter, and TV segment profit margins were 46% compared to 42% in the prior year period. Now on to slide 8. So as we promised in Q4, today we're rolling out a new set of revenue performance metrics that will clearly demonstrate the benefits of our TV revenue diversification strategy, as highlighted on that slide. The first metric is optimized revenues expressed as a percent of total TV advertising, which details our progress on the transformation of how we sell television advertising. Included are revenues contributed from audience segment selling, as well as from our Cinch platform, which we expect will be fully rolled out by the end of this fiscal year. Optimized revenues represent approximately 26% of total TV advertising revenue in the first quarter, and that's up from 21% in Q4 2020 and 24% in the prior year quarter. The second new metric is new platform revenues expressed as a percentage of TV advertising and subscriber revenues. 
which encompasses subscriber revenue from streaming initiatives and advertising revenue from new digital platforms. These revenues are largely incremental to our legacy TV business, reflect our participation in rapidly growing OTT and digital advertising markets. New platform revenues for Q1 are approximately 7% of TV advertising and subscriber revenues, and that's in line with Q4 2020, and up from approximately 4% in the prior year quarter. The initiatives highlighted in these metrics, coupled with growing interest in our Nelvana and Core Studios content from international markets, underpin our plan to deliver consolidated revenue growth year over year. Next, let's turn to our radio results, as outlined on slide 9. Radio segment revenues decreased $9.7 million as radio continues to be impacted by pandemic-related restrictions on businesses in local markets. This result, however, reflects the second consecutive quarter of sequential improvement. On the ratings front, we are very excited that in the recently released December ratings book, Toronto's Q107 and Vancouver's Rock 101 were number one in the rankings for adults aged 25 to 54 for a second consecutive quarter as the Rock format continues its resurgence. Radio segment profit decreased $4.9 million in the quarter given the challenging revenue conditions. Segment profit margin of 25% was down 30% in the prior year, but significantly improved from our last two quarters. Now over to slide 10. Our strong free cash flow in fiscal 2020 continued into the first quarter of 2021, giving us the confidence to resume our previous quarterly dividend declaration schedule. This morning, we issued a press release declaring our March 2021 quarterly dividend of $0.06 cents per share for Class B shareholders, once again providing a highly market-competitive dividend yield of approximately 5.2%. We continue to strengthen our balance sheet, building on our strong track record, track record of debt reduction of $34 million in bank debt repayments this quarter. Net debt to segment profit has now improved to 3.14 times at November 30th, 2020, and that's down from 3.18 times at the end of August. Our goal for fiscal 2021 is to drive our net debt to segment profit below 3.0 times by the end of the year, creating additional financial flexibility to support the advancement of our strategic plan and creation of value for shareholders. With that, back to you, Doug. Thank you, John. Over to slide 11. As we said earlier, our goal is to come out of this pandemic experience stronger than when we went in. I am pleased that we are making such meaningful progress in advancing our strategic priorities, providing us many reasons to be optimistic about the year ahead and beyond. Our plan will return us to consolidated revenue growth year over year as we emerge from the COVID crisis, with a focus on transforming how we sell television, putting more content in more places, and growing our studio content business internationally. Our strong, sustainable free cash flow will serve to increase our equity share value as debt is repaid while providing funding for our strategic plan and, of course, the dividend. Our highly attractive dividend yield is 5.2%, coupled with our free cash flow yield of 34%, and a free cash flow payout ratio below 20% makes us a compelling option in today's market. We are pleased that the government is moving forward with amendments to the Broadcasting Act. Bill C-10 is a necessary first step towards regulatory reforms that are long overdue. Parliament must move quickly to pass the bill and then provide additional policy guidance to the CRTC. I want to thank our talented and resilient team at Chorus for their tireless effort, commitment, and resourcefulness. Our Q1 results demonstrate continued momentum from the last quarter and provide evidence that we are moving in the right direction up and to the right. We are confident in the solid plan in place for 2021 anchored in a vision for the future 
and designed to capitalize on the shifts in this dynamic media marketplace. We will apply the same disciplined approach as we always have to provide value for our audiences, partners, clients, teammates, and shareholders. Over to you, operator. Thank you. At this time, I would remind everyone in order to ask a question, press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from Adam Shine of National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Uh, thanks a lot. Good morning. Happy New Year to both of you. Um, maybe, Doug, can you start by just explaining what exactly we should anticipate for uh, you know, the TV season this year. Clearly, you know, we are, as you said, seeing the delays in terms of episodic deliveries, Q1, Q2. Does it mean that we're going to see, let's say, fewer repeats in Q3 and perhaps less overall episodic deliveries of seasons of, of different shows, um, whereby, you know, the, the, the season ends as per usual around May? Or do we get some bleeding in, uh, you know, to Q4 potentially? this year as a unique sort of dynamic. Thanks, Adam, and happy new year to you as well. I, I, quite frankly, I think it's at this juncture, it's pretty much anybody's guess. Um, okay. We, we have, uh, you know, we have, um, we know what we've got in the can coming in for, you know, Q2 in the beginning half of Q3. Um, uh, the sports uh, piece is the big question out there. I think the World Juniors pulled, uh, did a great job pulling that off. The NHL is about to fire up. We'll see where that goes. We're not certain about the Olympics in Q4, although there's still, I think, ambition to continue. Um, on global, we're, we're, of course, reliant on our simulcast partners uh, in the U.S., um, and that, of course, is reliant to some degree on which shows are still in production. Los Angeles is back in uh, hiatus as of uh, earlier this week with some of our partners. Um, and then so how those simulcast partners choose to address any shortfall in episodic delivery um, with uh, you know, reruns, for example, is still to be determined. Um, you know, in the fall, you know, we were able to be very strategic and picked up a couple shows that were available in simulcast when we learned that some of our schedule was shifting out. And kudos to the teams for, you know, the, the entrepreneurial approach in so doing. It helped us to, to meet demand um, with the appropriate amount of inventory and impressions. Uh, in Q2 and Q3, you know, as we sit right now, we're, we're debuting a bunch of our, our big shows, Prodigal Sun and uh, 911 in the weeks ahead. But what happens into Q3 and Q4, it's really too early to tell. You know, with the, with the pandemic second wave shutdown coming and the, the conditions in California in particular at the moment, it's a little bit of an uncertainty. So maybe that ties into the next question, which is obviously, you know, EBITDA was a, was a big beat uh, in the period. Um, some of it is, is clearly refer, reflective of, you know, some of the programming timing, um, which obviously has implications also for, you know, some of the pressure you're seeing in advertising to a degree. But al also, as you alluded to earlier, you know, you're coping with some of the top line challenges with uh, a real handle on curbing discretionary spend, at least through the first half of the year, maybe longer. Is there any way you and or um, John can maybe speak to any particular issues where, you know, it does look like you're getting government um, regulatory relief on, on some fees. There are savings here. It's not as though we necessarily need to assume that, you know, costs in Q1 that naturally would have occurred, um, notwithstanding timing of deliveries, um, you know, it's not like there's a big lump sum to suddenly materialize in Q2, Q3, right, amidst some of the savings that are going on. Is that a fair comment? 
I think generally that's a fair comment, Adam. Um, but to Doug's comments, it's really hard to predict. I mean, if if we had been talking two weeks ago, I would have thought that Q2 was probably going to see some modest year-over-year -year increases in programming, just given the, the mm -hmm. way the schedule is getting delivered. But I don't even know we can say that right now. So, um, but you know, it, all things. Well, it's changing by the day, obviously, but right. I would expect some increases in Q2 and Q3 on programming just because of the way it's flowing, but sure. that's pretty hard to predict right now. So we're, you know, we're keeping track of it on a day-to-day -day basis, but it, it's hard to get, you know, nailed down schedules right now from, uh, from the studios. And then on the, on the regulatory fees, you know, we had the part one fee savings. That's relatively modest. I mean, you know, it's, it's um, important and we appreciate the support. That's only a couple million dollars for the year. The big, uh, bigger piece is the Part Two fees. That's over eight yep. million dollars a year for us. That wasn't recorded in the quarter. Uh, we're still working through. Um, the CRTC has attached some conditions to that, so we just want to make sure that we understand what those conditions are and that you know how we can fulfill them. So that's um, still a work in progress. Maybe I'll add some more color. I, I, I think I, I don't expect, for example, the programming savings in Q1 to you know be all made up in the full last three quarters of the year. It's, it's not as if there's a there's a wall at the end of Q4 and all the programming money to stay in the fiscal. That, I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen for a second. Um, right. I do believe though that there's going to be an unusual uh, and potentially beneficial schedule impact for us in Q2 and Q3. Q3 is a high demand uh, quarter. Um, and so we, we actually will have more shows in simulcast going into that high-demand quarter than we've ever had before in the history of our company. So, you know, to the extent to which there's uh, demand uh, from advertisers, uh, we're pretty confident we're going to get the, the impressions because folks aren't doing much, right? They're all locked in their homes. Um, you know, it, it could be a very positive uh, reality. And I think the, the truth of it is, you know, Q1 was the first hill of the fiscal year. We took that hill. We, we you know, put the chorus flag on top of it and celebrated a, a good quarter. Q2 is the next hill. Q3 is the next hill. And that's how we're running the business right now. Okay. Up and to the right. Uh, I'll Up leave it there. The right. Thanks a lot. That's right. Okay. Thank you. Happy yeah. New Year. Your next question comes from Drew McReynolds of RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, Happy New Year to, to both of you. Um, just following up on Adam's uh, question, just overall on, on TV programming costs, um, maybe asked a little bit different uh, for you, John, in terms of, you know, kind of what you see as uh, an underlying run rate for the business, if you kind of put out of the question uh, delays in the schedule and a new cadence, but yeah, it, you know, maybe it's difficult to answer, but uh, in terms of kind of the margins of TV or said a different way, the underlying programming costs that you're incurring on the TV side, how do you see that evolving kind of post-COVID, if, if at all? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Drew. Um, certainly, and look, the views changed a lot in the last year. You know, if I look at the the renewal of our bigger output deals, and those are primarily specialty. Uh, I'd say, you know, there, there is some cost inflation for sure, but with that comes additional rights. So think, you know, more digital platform rights, uh, think, you know, potentially more back catalog uh, that can also feed some of those platforms. So, yeah, I would say whatever normal is or may be going forward, we'd probably see some modest increase in programming costs. I think that's, you know, not surprising to anyone. But right now, it's just it's just really hard to predict, and and there's so much volatility in 
conventional right now, given you know the, the pay-for-play model that we have for um, for simulcast content. That uh, you know, it's it's that's what's causing us to pause a little bit, and and we're not trying to um, to be cagey at all. We just don't really have a, a firm grip on exactly how that's going to play. We know what we've committed to, and we know um, what the cost of it is. We just don't know when it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that uh, that's helpful. Uh, just switching gears a little bit, uh, the impact of the, the second wave here, um, you know, you've obviously talked about the cadence of the fall schedule and, and delays and, and what have you, you know, more on the advertising side, you know, versus what you experienced, I guess, back through April, May, um, and then managing through the second wave with renewed shutdowns. Like, is there anything, I, I presumably, course, not unlike other companies, are just managing this uh, on a more efficient or effective basis. But is there anything you know, can you, you can flag as to you know what may be better or worse uh, through the second wave in terms of the business environment that you're having to deal with? With regards to advertising in particular, Drew. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, there's there's a. Well, I, I would say as a general matter, um, companies are realizing that they need to keep their brands front and center in front in front of audiences, and so there there's a lot of there's a I think a, a, a groundswell of brand driven advertising that is it, we've seen in the last quarter and we continue to see coming in. So 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 that you know that, that's less about you know ringing the cash register is more about you know keeping brands front and center in the minds of Canadians. As far as categories, we do a very, very detailed um, category by category build up um, with our revenue management modeling. And we're seeing gains, you know, we're seeing nice gains in categories like packaged goods, financial services, video games, and not surprisingly, alcoholic beverages. Um, we are seeing uh, uh, declines in entertainment, you know, cinema, travel, health and beauty, uh, restaurants. That's again, not surprising kind of to anybody. Um, and then in direct-to-consumer, it's a bit of a mixed bag, you know, on the travel-related uh, direct-to-consumer, Expedia, Travago, you know, kind of those kind of accounts are, 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 you know, still not back to where they were. But home furnishing, you know, uh, eyewear, uh, you know, those kind of categories are growing. So, it, you know, really the, the path forward is, uh, as, I, as I mentioned in my comments, is our sales team, you know, really working in concert with all of our advertisers you know, of every, of each and every size to help understand their business needs and help provide solutions. And, you know, the great news is we still have a very attractive, highly differentiated suite of linear services with a, a, a growing digital platform to complement that and radio and integrations with Tempo and Soda. Uh, and we continue to, you know, advance our our advanced advertising uh, ambitions and serve the needs of those advertisers. So that's kind of how the it's a customer first sort of approach um, with our suite of services, and you know that's why we've been able to show you know sequential improvement in our advertising trending, along with of course you know a, a gradual and fine and recovery in the overall economy. Okay, that's uh, that's helpful, Doug. Last one for me then, um, just on the TV ad tech side, uh, just, just remind me, we've obviously got a lot of BDUs here in Canada deploying X1 and, you know, Shaw's, Shaw's there, Rogers, Quebec war making kind of their, um, their push uh, here in uh, 2020, 2021. Just, just remind me kind of on the ad tech side, wh where the status on that platform is uh, from your perspective. Well, it, it still remains a, a, a very, very significant priority in the revenue team uh, and the tech team. 
to continue to invest significant amounts of money year over year as we have been. I think I, I shared a number with you all last time that you know since we bought Shaw Media, we've invested more than $50 million in, in building out our capabilities, and we'll continue to do that. Um, as regards the platforms on X1, uh, you know, and the media room, you know, we're working with. Uh, that, that's that's the good news. There's two dominant video distribution platforms in Canada. You know, we have vertically integrated uh, BDUs in each of the platforms that want to optimize their business. And you know, we're working with common segments across the, the nation, um, and a shared ambition to you know help uh, really put Canada on the map globally as a as a leading advertising economy from a television perspective. So, uh, you know, the, the, that's why we decided to reveal, you know, a new, a, a new vocabulary today with our kind of uh, optimized revenue metric, which is the sum of, you know, our audience-based buying, linear optimization, and cinch, um, as well as our new platforms, which is, you know, the growth we're having sort of off the traditional linear system. Uh, because it's just another example of the work we're doing to diversify our revenues and find new areas of growth to get to that year-over-year-over-year consolidated growth ambition that we're confident to achieve. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Drew. Happy New Year. Your next question comes from Vince Valentini of TD Securities. Your line is open. Thanks very much. Um, let me start with the these nice new charts you've you've given us uh, on optimized revenue and new platform revenue. Just to be clear, John, um, is there any overlap between these two charts, or are these two very discrete buckets? So yeah, they're they're discrete. The Twenty-six. Yeah, they're, they're discrete. Not over, yeah, no overlap. Perfect. Um, second, let's get nitpicky first before big picture. Um, the quarter was obviously very strong. Uh, for the most part, but I'm not sure why corporate costs were up so much. Was there something in share-based comp or yeah. some other unusual timing issue? Uh, it's mostly share-based comp, I'd say. Um, we can I can pull a detail for you, but that's the biggest movement, and that's due to the share price, obviously. So um, the the other costs beyond that were up, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and that's probably 15 different moving pieces, plus and minus. So. Um, but yeah, share-based comp is the is the biggest part of it. It was up, and you know, it was up over a million bucks in the quarter. Okay. And in terms of the bigger picture advertising, um, you thanks for the categories, Doug. I didn't hear you mention um, automotive or telecom, which tend to be especially auto, pretty big segment. Any just color on those, given that you you shed some light on some of the others? Is, is automotive recovering? Yeah, automotive. Uh, th thank you. Uh, our our, uh, our insight, research and insights team just did a crackerjack piece of research with um, Canadians that, that um, uh, individuals and households, you know, have one of the highest purchase intentions of buying a car within the next two years that we've seen in a decade at the moment. Part of that, I think, is the fact that their cars are all old, but also people are realizing that they may not be able to take public transit, you know, when things return to the next normal. So we're seeing actually a, a, a nice rebound in, um, in automotive uh, advertising coming back. You know, certain brands are, are all over us right now, and other brands were kind of convincing that they need to be there, given this, this compelling research. So the, from a household perspective, the business, I think, is recovering quite nicely. From a fleet perspective, you know, rental car businesses and such, not so much, right? That's that's kind of, you know, kind of uh, flatlined at the moment until looking back to tourism and, 
in travel. Telecom is 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 still a good category for us. It's down somewhat, um, but it's it's still a substantial part of our, our mix. Okay. And and lastly, just packing that all together, I mean the standard question you usually get I haven't heard asked yet is um do you have any thoughts on, on Q two in terms of T V advertising revenues and December's the biggest month of that quarter and it's and it's already over and we're hearing anecdotally from others that that advertising trends were pretty good in December. So is there any chance you can you can get down to a single digit decline in T V ad revenue in, in fiscal Q two? I think what you're hearing anecdotally is is our experience as well um, for for December, anyways. Um, some of that, of course, is is you know, it, uh, uh, notwithstanding my comments about there's not a wall at the end of Q4 on programming. In some cases, if you're a CMO, there is a wall on the end of the calendar year. You know, the old use it or lose it. So a lot of dollars came in across the whole country. I think um, towards the end of the calendar year. So. Uh, so the first, you know, Q2 is off to a good start. Now then, of course, we're all getting down partial lockdowns, of course, right? So you have to temper that with what's going to happen in January and February. All that said, you know, we're still uh, strongly of the, of the view that um, the back half of our year will be notwithstanding, you know, obviously very significant growth because we're going to be sort of less COVID over, you know, the, the, the debut of COVID a year ago. Uh, and so, you know, the first half of the year will be sequential improvement month to month to month, and then we'll turn the switch and we'll be positive in the back half of the year. For still, uh, that that's still all of our revenue models indicate that that's the, the the confident outcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Happy New Year. Your next question comes from Aravinda Galapathy of Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Good morning, Doug and John, and uh, Happy New Year. Um, I've got a couple of questions. Um, I'll start with, um, uh, I think, where Drew left off on the ad tech front uh, with respect to the uh, the optimized revenues. Um, is there a, have you started to sort of book in, um, you know, d um, dynamic ad insertion on VOD yet, or is that still a work in progress? And um, I guess connected to that, um, is, um, you know, what you haven't disclosed is sort of your digital ad revenues, um, you know, including uh, what you're accruing from Global App. Um, any commentary around that growth and the materiality of that uh, component? Um, so the, the Global TV app will be, the, 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 that, those numbers will be rolled out in the new platforms metric that we just yeah. revealed today. Yeah, they're, they're in there. All the digital revenues in the new platform revenue. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that that's where that will be. Um, DAI on VOD is uh, you know is coming along. Uh, you know it's it, it, it's still uh, it's sort of, we're still sort of setting the table on that one. Um, the team is very acutely aware of um, the opportunity that exists in that, given you know the fact that now we're offering full in-season stacks on of all of our big shows on on the majority of our BDUs. Uh, uh, similarly on Stack TV. Um, and so the opportunity to, you know, uh, monetize those impressions are not lost in anybody. There just is a bit of a technological roadmap that we need to kind of navigate um, with the various platforms to turn that on. So I would say we're, you know, we're, current, we're currently in that business, Aravinda, but um, it's, it's, it's going to hit its stride, you know, in the coming quarters, and that will also be cap, uh, captured in our, uh, in our, our new revenue metrics. 
Okay, great. Um, and then on uh, on you know uh, the uh, the balance sheet. I mean, it's 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 obviously your free cash flow obviously benefited from a couple of items, uh, including the, uh, the the wage subsidy uh, inflows. But you know, your free cash continues to be strong. You're at three point one. You know, I think any reasonable estimate does get you below three times. Does that, as you kind of cross that threshold, Doug, uh, d- does that make you think a little bit differently about asset mix, about investing, about M&A, or would you still kind of focus on continuing to kind of dra- pull down the you know, balance sheet leverage and de-risk uh, even towards two and a half or below before you, um, you know, maybe reconsider the asset mix and uh, maybe look to get more aggressive on that front? Um, good question. Uh, something we're thinking about a lot, uh, and always have been for that matter. Uh, my answer would be um, uh, until we have full and clear view of the regulatory backdrop, we're going to keep paying down the bank debt. Um, uh, I, I just want to make sure that you know we, we have a line of sight to the new regulatory world order. You know, we're, we remain cautiously optimistic. Um, that the leveling of the playing field will benefit us in terms of uh, you know, reduced obligations, more flexibility, more incentives um, for us to do certain things that are on strategy, um, and that uh, you know this notion, which I applaud wholly, this notion of conditions of service, which effectively means it'll be bespoke um, regulatory uh, licensing between regulated actors like Corus and the Commission, as opposed to a one-size-fits-all conditions of license, you know, that will help us to get more surgical in terms of any sort of portfolio strategy. But at the minute, um, you know, we're still in a pandemic. We still are, you know, being very uh, focused on cash maximization, deleveraging the balance sheet. Uh, that will impact equity share value, as will, you know, the the return to consolidated revenue growth. So that's, that's our real focus with the existing mix of assets at the moment. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks, Doug. And then uh, last question for John. Um, I think when you talked about some potential increases in programming expenses in Q2, Q3, um, I, I presume you're talking about the program Amort, you know, which goes into the P&L, uh, the EBITDA, rather than the actual cash spend, which obviously saw a very sharp swing in uh, in Q1. I think something around 134 million to 90 when you add the two pieces. Um, that I suspect will be even more volatile. Um, any kind of color on how that would shape, uh, just to get a sense of how we should think about free cash flow uh, towards the, uh, the the following quarters. Sure. I mean, you know, as you noted in Q1, the um, the kind of usual relationship of Amort and cash being relatively similar, kind of diverged. And uh, you know, as much as we had the savings on the Amort line, we had bigger savings on cash. Now, part of that has to do with how we closed 2020. Uh, you know, and, and how caught up we were at that point on programming. I think, you know, it, it also has to do um, a little bit with what's happening with Canadian production, and that's starting to ramp back up. So, yeah, I mean, to, to give you the quick answer, yes, cash will um, will go back to kind of normal levels and, and potentially ramp a bit in the back half of the year as production really starts to step up. Uh, and Q1 was, was a bit unusual. Um, but, you know, given the given the the place we're in right now with the slowdowns, you know, it's not that surprising, I guess, but it is going to pick up for sure. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll, um, I'll, I'll leave, uh, leave it for others. Thanks, Irvin. Thanks, Irvin. Your next question comes from David McFadgen of Cormark. Your line is open. 
Oh, hi, thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll try my own question on the, the programming expenditures. <laughs> um, is there a way to, or do you know the quantity of programming expenditures that weren't incurred in Q1 as a result of programming delays? Like, let's say it was 5 million or 20 million or 10 million. Do you, do you know that number or maybe you can't quantify it? He's he's digging around here. I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, well well John see if we can dig that out. I'll just give you a sense of the complexity that I appreciate everybody's trying to get at this number as are we. But various things can happen, right? Start dates can shift, which has happened because he couldn't finish principal photography and and so you can't do final edit and cut. Uh, also, what can and that's happened, um, and that happened in Q1. What we don't know yet, quite frankly, on these big shows is did they get the full episode load produced? Did they get the 22 apps done, or is it going to be 21, or is it going to be 20, or is it going to be 18? Or is it going to, I mean, that, that's an uncertain reality. We don't know that level of detail. That's, that has, as you'd imagine, David, relatively significant impact on your programming cost line. Um, and, then, and then what we also don't know is um, if some if they can't deliver some of these shows, will they, given our, uh, our our output deals, will they swap out another show which is within their right in certain instances, um, or will they have us do reruns, uh, which is a different cost than again? So th those are sort of the, the the multitude of realities that are impacting on global. Uh, specialty uh, is more or less set because we get the as I said in the last call. The good news is. All of those shows on our output deals were kind of effectively in the can and, and less affected by um, you know, the shutdowns versus the network shows. Um, and then the other the other factor that weighs on programming is the CPE, which, as we know, um, was also affected. You know, we couldn't spend the money that we uh, uh, were going to spend, and you know that has uh, come back to some degree recently. But it's likely I don't know what. Ontario government's announcing today, but something's coming out, I understand, and we might be back in hiatus again there. So th that's kind of why it's hard to give you any kind of a steer, and that was my comment about take the next hill, because we, we don't really know that. That said, John has been digging through. Do you have an answer, John? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, so David, there's like, you know, as you can imagine, there's about eight categories that feed programming. Um, if I look at, at conventional in particular, and I look at the what we call foreign, so the U.S., um, stuff. That's where really where all the savings came from. Um, actually, on the Canadian side, we were up a little bit year over year. So, um, you know, that's probably the best handle we have on what's going on. I mean, we would usually um, assume that the, the foreign costs on global are relatively consistent year over year. So, and there's not typically the same kind of timing effect that we had this year. So, I think, you know, was it going to be exactly the same as last year? We don't really, we never really had a view of that um, because, you know, we weren't in that place even back in the spring. But certainly, you know, that's where the savings came from. Okay. And, Doug, you mentioned um, CPE. Have have you, but can you give us an update? Has there been any relief on CPE as a result of COVID? Uh, or are you going to have to make up these? CP expenditures that you didn't incur in fiscal 2020 into fiscal 21. Can you give us an update there? Yeah, the 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 most substantive piece of information on that came in the fall when uh, the commission issued a, a a notice saying that they understood that uh, the obligations uh, of CPE um, that were affected by the COVID would need to be addressed over a protracted period of time. 
which puts us into our next license period. Um, we're still waiting to hear what that actually means, um, but we don't. Uh, we're, we're relatively confident that we'll, we'll have some flexibility to address that uh, as part of our new license period, which will also incorporate the you know Bill C-10 and the Modernized Broadcasting Act. So, so I think that's kind of part of this regulatory uh, file that's kind of revealing itself in the quarters ahead. Okay, and then and then just lastly, just on the on the merchandise and distribution revenue, it was up 11% in the quarter. Um, do you think that the fiscal 21 year would result in a low double-digit growth on that revenue line, or would be more high single-digit? No, that's, uh, I think I've been quoted as saying double digits for uh, forever. Um, we do have a couple tough comps, I think, in Q2. Uh, we had a, a big one-time uh, sale to Netflix, I think, last year, which which will be, I think, a tough comp. But um, you know, the 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 slate is is ramping up. You know, um, uh, in both Core Studios and in Elvana, and uh, we've increased our investment in development a year and a half, two years ago. So we've got a big funnel of great IP. And we continue to break new ground with streamers internationally. I spoke of Hardy Boys and Hulu. Um, and our production frameworks are growing. Red Knot with Discovery Kids Latin America, for example, or Nickelodeon. Um, uh, one also has got a couple of exciting new shows we'll be announcing uh, in the coming uh, months. So that is clearly our goal, double-digit growth on the content side. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. The next question comes from Jeff Fan of Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you. Good morning and Happy New Year to you both. Um, just uh, going back to an earlier question, I think, about the ad spending environment, the one area that I think maybe wasn't touched on was ad pricing uh, regarding CPM. Um, there's a lot of things moving around, obviously, with programming and Given the low inventory and the spend, I would suspect that it held up pretty well um, through your through your quarter. Um, wonder if you have any color on that and what's kind of driving that, if that is the case, and how do you think that's going to look with uh, low inventory kind of continuing through the second quarter so far? So, Jeff, I just want to confirm your questions on CPM. Yeah, it was on yeah. ad spend and then pricing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, the the I, I would say uh, uh, pricing was was uh, solid in in the first quarter because there was you know the return of a bunch of demand um, and you know we we did have some capacity issues. In other words, we did have um, you know some some programming that shifted out of the quarter or was delayed, and we had to supplement that with some sort of new acquisitions uh, in simulcast to to meet the demand. Um, so uh, our CPMs held up nicely, um, and uh, I, you know, the I think the tail there will really be predicated upon the recovery um, of the health crisis, right? I mean, um, my expectation is, given the fact that um, you know there is a whole bunch of cash on the balance sheet of Canadians' households across the country. I think it was Dave McKay from Royal Bank yesterday came out talking about you know the 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 uh, recovery expectations that um, he feels are quite um, uh, you know promising that that will drive a lot of advertising and um, the, our pricing power should be pretty good. So I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about CPM. I'm, again, you know, balancing the demand and supply as always, and will be this year more than ever. The art 
and the science of our business. Um, but but at the minute they're held, they're holding up well. Was there just to your earlier comments? Was there um, like in, in companies and advertisers spending their budget for the December year? Um, are you are you saying that there could be a bit of a slowdown in how spending may occur here in the early calendar year, uh, based on what you've seen so far? I'm just trying to clarify what it sounds like. It was strong ending the calendar year, but so far in the early calendar year, what's spending like? There's, there's, I mean, in this system, there's a ton of spending. I mean, that, I mean, I referred to the World Juniors earlier. I mean, that was, you know, that was a, you know, that was a fantastic uh, broadcast result. Uh, you know, so kudos to our friends over there on Queen Street. You know, they shot the lights up with that one. Um, so I think, I mean, basically, uh, Jan and Feb are going to be caught in the on the partial or complete shutdown if that happens. Uh, at the moment. Uh, pacing looks pretty good for the quarter, uh, relatively speaking, <laughs> given that it's not a normal quarter in any given normal year. So, you know, again, as I said, it, it's really you got to take each month at a time, and and uh, and the team does great work balancing demand and and uh, and supply. On your CPM question, I would tell tell you that we are seeing increasing CPMs on our digital platforms. Um, you know, there still remains a lot of demand there that we're able to take advantage of uh, with price. Great. Um, my next question is just on the new revenue performance metrics, and I uh, reiterate that happy to hear to see some of those. Um, I want to zero in on the new platform revenues. I'm wondering um, what do you think will be the biggest contributors driving that that mix higher going forward? Well, the new the new platforms is a combination of um, you know our our OTT. Uh, ambitions, so the stack would be in there. Um, Nick Plus is in there. Our global TV app is in there. Our global news OTT product. Now we've got nine different global news OTT products uh, available. Would be in there. Um, you know, th th those are basically all of our. Uh, you know, putting more content in more places. Um, you know, basically moving beyond the legacy channel business effectively. That's that's what what is in that category. Okay. And finally, just uh, wondering if you have any comments on Discovery Plus and um, what what they may or may not do in Canada. I mean, if you can't comment specifically there, wondering if you think they'll look more like a Disney Plus where they'll go more direct, or does it look more like a Peacock where Disney where Discovery original shows might might be uh, part of uh, future output deals? Um, wondering if you think how you think they'll treat Canada. Um, the honest answer is we don't know at this juncture. We are um, obviously in ongoing discussions with our partners, um, and uh, you know, congratulations to them on their launch. They've got you know to the gate nicely in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, uh, and uh, you know, the, the Canadian situation you know is something that we'll be focused on in this coming year. Um, you know, we're working with all of our key partners on understanding how best to monetize uh, you know the opportunities. Available in the streaming business, NBC, you know, uh, Viacom, Discovery, all of them, you know, uh, Hallmark. So, you know, I, th I think that's going to be something that'll that'll kind of evolve uh, in the quarters ahead. Um, what is not lost on anybody is the un, uh, unbelievable success of Stag TV. I mean, it is it is just uh, a locomotive. Um, you know, we've been 
purposefully focusing on how big is big uh, over the last, you know, uh, 12 weeks. And, uh, you know, it keeps to, it continues to surprise us on the upside. Um, and so, you know, that's partly why we wanted to put out these new metrics um, so we can help to continue to break out the success there. Uh, because it is, it, it certainly is unpacking a real opportunity, and it's a different product. This is the thing that I think is really noteworthy. It's not an SVOD, you know, uh, binge viewing only product. It is a combination of a lean back, traditional resilient television experience where you just want to channel surf, um, and it's a lean in binge view on demand uh, type SVOD product uh, with the in season stacks. Um, and that is a unique product in the global marketplace at the minute, um, and, and certainly in Canada. Uh, and I think it's providing um, cord nevers and perhaps cord cutters uh, uh, with uh, the opportunity to experience both on-demand consumption but also the traditional lean-back television experience, and they're loving it. So, um, you know, we're just going to continue to put the pedal down on this business, um, and we'll keep reporting back to all of you in the quarters ahead. Um, but uh, it's part of our up-and-to-the-right thesis for sure. Great. Thanks, John. Cool. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. There are no further questions at this time. I will now return the call to Mr. Murphy for closing comments. Thanks, Chris, and thanks, everybody, for your um, interest and attention today. Uh, we will look forward to speaking uh, with, I think, all of you today <laughs> at some point. Um, and uh, once again, just a, a, a sincere thank you to the Chorus team across the country for all your hard work. And um, everybody, please stay safe and be well. And we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks and months ahead. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.